Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 46 called, Even to Your Old Age, I Will Carry You. The truth is that every generation has to battle with its idols. Every generation has to decide, will I follow the true God or will I follow that which seems to be attractive and easy? But societies rise and they fall with their idols and their idols can't do anything for them. That's why you still have a nation of Israel today. That's why they're back in the land. Because God will keep his word And I think it is important for us to look at history so we might learn from history. And God says in Isaiah 46, 3, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, you who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb. In Deuteronomy 1, uh, 31, it says, In the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as a man carries his son in all the way which you have walked until you came to this place. Psalm 55.20 says, Cast your burden upon the Lord. He will sustain you. Psalm 68.19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden. He is the God of our salvation. Selah. Pause. Think about it. And 1 Peter 5.7 says, We should cast all our anxiety upon him because he cares for us. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but the implication of this verse is that from your mama's womb, God carried you all the way. Some of you have uh, had near and dear to your heart that footprints poem, you know, and and it says, why was there only one set of prints in the sand? God says, those were the times that I was carrying you. Well, that's a biblical image. That's an image of God saying to his people, Israel, from the time you were born, uh, I have carried you from the womb. And even this verse 4 is such a precious verse. And even to your old age, I shall be the same. And even to your graying years, and all the older people in the congregation said, Amen. Amen. I shall bear you. I have done it, and I shall carry you, and I shall bury you, and I shall deliver you. Now, having a little sprinkling of gray coming on especially the sides of my head, I read this verse this week and thought, God, you're so good. Because I think the older we get, the more we start thinking about people carrying us. We start thinking about, you know, the age and mileage that happens to these bodies and um, just, you know, the fact that we're not going to live forever. And God says, not only have I carried you from the womb, verse 3, but I'm going to carry you all the way into my heavenly kingdom. I will carry you into the graying years and I will carry you all the way home. I will bear you up. And, you know, the the people that he's saying this to are not necessarily a people that have earned a whole lot of love, but that's not the point. God loves them despite what they've done. 
This, if, this is, if the context is the end of the 70-year captivity, uh, Israel's done nothing. They've been disciplined by the Lord, and some of them, from what we understand from other books, don't even want to go back to Israel. As a matter of fact, from the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, it appears that a very small number of the people actually went back to the homeland. And it may be that God had to have Babylon be devastated for them to see that they needed to go home. Sometimes your gods need to fall before you realize you need to come back home. And God says, I'm going to carry you. Don't worry, I will carry you all the way from the womb till your graying years. I will bear you. I've done it. I want you to see in verse 5, I have the New American Standard, and I see five I shalls in there. I shall be the same. God does not change. I shall bear you, two. I shall carry you, number three. I shall bear you four, and I shall deliver you. I see five I shalls. Not anything dependent on anybody else but God. This is what I'm going to do because I have decided to love you. Even to your old age and gray hairs, if you have the NIV, it says, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you, and I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. And I... And I see in there a beautiful picture of the gospel that God promises to take us from the beginning to the end all the way home and eventually rescue us. And this is based upon his faithfulness that he's the same, that he is God, I am he. Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, in Isaiah 48, 12, it says, Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel, whom I have called. I am he, I am the first, and I am also the last. In Isaiah 51, 12, it says, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies and of the, of the son of man who is made like grass? And then God says, To whom would you liken me? And make me equal and compare me, that we should be alike. And I look at that equality with God that Jesus didn't grasp onto, and I think, you know, if I ever want to wonder about God's love, then I see my God enter into time and space. If I wondered about his love, I see him enter into humanity on a Bethlehem night. If I ever wondered about his love, I I watch him live his life in the shadow of a cross, rejected by his own people. Betrayed by a friend, turned on by uh, a disciple who said, I will never leave you or forsake you, though everybody else does, I won't. I watch him protect his own in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, you've got me, now let these go their way. I watch him go to a cross and from a cross say, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. See, this whole week is a week about God entering the stage of humanity. To whom will you liken a God like this? Which of the so-called gods in Greek mythology are here to rescue you? Which of them are dying on a cross for you and telling you that, that, that they will sustain you? They can't. Those who lavish, look at verse six, from the purse, lavish gold from the purse and weigh silver. Here you have silver and gold. On the scale, 
They hire a goldsmith. So they've, they've pulled out their, their valuable stuff, gold and silver here. They hire a goldsmith. They, they put him on the clock. And he makes in, it into a god. And then they bow down. Indeed, they worship it. So here's the question. Anybody here got a problem with silver and gold? I personally don't. Because silver and gold are means of exchange, right? Um, silver and gold are really money. But when does money become a problem? Sometimes people will quote a verse that they think is a verse, and it's actually not a verse. They'll say, the uh, money is the root of all evil. And you say, no, that's not the verse. What's the verse actually say? The love of money. Not money. Money is just simply neutral. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Because here's what happens. When someone crosses the boundary from money being for what it is to the love of money, they have crossed a boundary from something being a means to, of exchange or even taking care of your family to something that you worship. And when you cross that line, you've taken it from something beautiful to something what? Idolatrous. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. And he used the word Lord. It's kurios in Greek, Adonai in Hebrew. You can't have two lords. And here's the deal. You can't serve God and mammon, which was an ancient God, but is sometimes translated money. So the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Go sell everything that you have. Give your possessions to the poor and follow me. Now, Jesus didn't say that to everybody, but he said it to a man who had what? Many possessions, and that man walked away sorrowful because he could not give up his God. In Luke 12, there's a man who owns all this stuff, and he says, I'll say to my soul, I'll, be, I'll build bigger barns and all this or that, and, and God says, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. You see, it is about what you worship, it's not about silver and gold. It's about what you worship. And the people took the silver and gold and they made it into an idol. And that idol became something that was extremely dangerous. Now, I want you to uh, go to the book of Hosea, okay? Just before, so pass up um, Ezekiel and Daniel. You're going towards the New Testament and you're going to get to Hosea right after the book of Daniel, just before Joel, all right, I want to show you a verse here that I think captures the essence of what we're saying. Hosea 8, look at verse 4 with me. They have set up kings, Hosea 8, 4. I'm going to read it in another version, so just catch up. But not by me. They have appointed princes, Hosea 8, 4, but I did not know it. With their silver and gold, they have made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. Here's the NIV, the last part of the verse, Hosea 8.4 says, with their silver and gold, they make idols for themselves to their own destruction. Do you know that when people are making an idol of something, what they don't know as they chisel away is that the very thing that they've invested in will destroy them. That's what happened to Israel. Go back to Hosea 4. And if you think about the book of Hosea, and this is an important connection tonight. Idolatry, and we saw this in the book of Ezekiel, is a matter of the heart. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. We have just celebrated Easter, so the first series is on the resurrection. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly... That lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes. And, and so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe. They have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth minisodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And you're going to get to Hosea, right after the book of Daniel, just before Joel. All right, I want to show you a verse here that I think captures the essence of what we're saying. Hosea 8, look at verse 4 with me. They have set up kings, Hosea 8, 4. I'm going to read it in another version, so just catch up. But not by me. They have appointed princes, Hosea 8.4, but I did not know it. With their silver and gold, they have made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. Here's the NIV, the last part of the verse, Hosea 8.4 says, with their silver and gold, they make idols for themselves to their own destruction. Do you know that when people are making an idol of something, What they don't know as they chisel away is that the very thing that they've invested in will destroy them. That's what happened to Israel. Go back to Hosea 4. And if you think about the book of Hosea, and this is an important connection tonight. Idolatry, and we saw this in the book of Ezekiel, is a matter of the heart. And the book of Hosea is about allegiances. It's about God saying, I'm the true God, but what did you do, Israel? You went and cheated on me with other gods. And so idolatry, another name for idolatry is harlotry or adultery. It is literally cheating on God with other gods. Look at Hosea 4, great chapter. Look at verse 1. Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel. For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, 4-1 Hosea. 
Because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, ouch, deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. I think you can put right next to that verse the U.S. of A. Therefore the land mourns and everyone who lives in it languishes along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky and also the fish of the sea disappear. Yet uh, let no one find fault. Let none, of, uh, none offer reproof. Nobody says anything. For your people are like those who contend with the priest. So you will stumble by day and the prophet also will stumble with you by night and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6, because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being my priest. They were supposed to be a kingdom of priests. They were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. The more they multiplied, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people and direct their desire toward iniquity toward their iniquity. And it will be like people like priests, so I will punish them for their ways, repay them for their deeds. And they will eat but not have enough. They will play the harlot but not increase because they have stopped giving heed to the Lord. Harlotry, wine, and new wine take away their under- the understanding. My people consult their wooden idol and their diviner's wand informs them. For a spirit of harlotry has led them astray. They have played the harlot departing from their God. They offer sacrifices on the tops of the mountains and burn incense on the hills under oak, poplar, and terebinth because their shade is pleasant. Therefore, you, your daughters play the harlot and your brides commit adultery. And I, I will not punish your daughters when they play the harlot or your brides when they commit adultery for the men themselves go apart with harlots and offer sacrifices with temple prostitutes. So the people without understanding are, here's the cost, they are ruined. Though you, Israel, play the harlot, do not let Judah become guilty, don't let it spread. Also do not go to Gilgal or up to Beth-Avon and take the oath as the Lord lives. Since Israel is stubborn like a stubborn heifer, can the Lord now pasture them like a lamb in a large field? Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone. Their liquor gone, they play the harlot continually. Their uh, rulers dearly love shame. The wind wraps them in its wings and they will be ashamed because of their sacrifices. Radical, radical stuff. We know what the prophet Hosea was asked to do. Go back to Isaiah 46. He was asked to marry a prostitute, allow her to cheat on him and endure through it as a living image of what God did for Israel. Why do we, why did Israel run to idols? Because we love the comparison game. To whom will you make my equal? Well, we love to compare things. We say, well, this or that, what should we do? Should I go to church or should I... Do this. Should I really follow Christ or should I live on the edge? And I would submit to you tonight that people who do not commit their lives to Christ or Christians who live nominal Christian lives do it because at the root of it is idolatry. 
There is something that has become more important than their knowledge of God. And it could be anything. It could be a person. It could be a sport. It could be a hobby. It could be anything. But the point is that if your heart starts to worship that above God, God says it's something that can be a ruin, a heavy burden to carry. They lifted up, this is the, speaking of the idol, 46.7 back in Isaiah. They lift it upon the shoulder and carry it. If you have to carry your idol, you need to ask some questions, man. They set it in its place. Okay, I want to make sure that it doesn't totter. It's secure. And it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. This is it. You put it in the corner. Okay. I want to make sure you're all right today. Nobody knocked you over. You okay, my God? Just in case I need to cry out to you. And God says, remember this, verse 8. <laughs> just, you might want to just circle and highlight and underline that a bunch of times. Remember this and be assured, recall it to mind. And now God says to the one who says, you know, from the womb I bore you and I'm going to take you to your graying years. He says, you transgressors. If you have the NIV, it says you rebels. Remember this, fix it in mind, take it to heart, you rebels. I guess today we'd say, if we learn a lesson in our Christian walk, or if we come to Christ out of a life dominated by that which is false or idolatrous, it's good for us to kind of mark those moments. Or as a Christian, you know, if you go through a season where you took some hard lumps, you know, you're walking around with those big bruises on your head, I'm trying to learn how to walk. And you see a a little kid when they're trying to learn how to walk, they always have these huge goose eggs on their head, you know, because they find the corners of cabinets and things in your home. And you say, Learn how to walk. Yeah. And sometimes you see Christians like that. They got these big goose eggs. Oh, I know what happened to you. Yeah, I hit my head on that again. Right? Well, that happens as a Christian. But when you got the goose egg on your head, maybe you should take a picture. Maybe you should just and write some details on the back of that photo. This is the time when my idol was in the corner and it fell and hit me in the head. Okay, that was April 2000. Don't want to do that again. Because if you don't do that, if you don't mark that moment, guess what you'll do? You'll set it back up there. I'm sure it won't fall this time. And I'll try not to be under it when it falls. And then you'll start crying out to it again and it's going to bonk you on the head again. See, that's what, that's what God is saying. He's saying, remember, please remember these lessons. Remember, take it to heart. Fix it in your mind. You've been listening to Even to Your Old Age, I Will Carry You, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 46. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Hey, we love to connect with our listeners. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the team here a letter. We love mail. You can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But our email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. Are you ready? You can write Pastor Michael at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 
2063-9278. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, here we are. It's the National Day of Prayer. It is Thursday morning for all of you who are listening to our early broadcast at 4 a.m. I want to invite you to a National Day of Prayer event we are hosting at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. It begins at 6.30 p.m., multiple churches in the city involved. Prayer and praise. We're going to pray over different topics like the church, the nation, areas of business, the world, etc. And we'd love for you to be there and be part of this. The church is basically located where the 91 and 15 intersect. It's actually the 91 and Lincoln Avenue. We're right near Lincoln and River. And we're coming together simply to pray and worship our Lord. And we'd love for you to be there. 6.30 p.m. tonight, driving directions and all you need to know. Available at walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab and you'll get driving directions. I hope to see you tonight. God bless you. And just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events, too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. Whether you can give financially or not, would you please spread the word about Walk in Truth in your community? Tell a couple people to either listen on this station or find Walk in Truth on their podcast app. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 46, called, Even to Your Old Age, I Will Carry You. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.